Hey, this is Mike Neglia, and welcome back to the Expositors Collective podcast. You know, if I sound more stoked uh, than usual, it's, it's because I am. Uh, we just finished up um, one of our Expositors Collective uh, weekend seminar intensives uh, in Colorado. Um, I can't wait to release the main sessions and some of the interviews um, here on this podcast in the coming weeks and months. But right now, you're going to be able to listen in on a conversation with myself, Clay Worrell, and Riley Taylor, the lead pastor of Calvary Fellowship in Seattle, Washington. Uh, You're going to listen as we talk about the benefit of paper in a digital world, gentle public corrections, and also what he wished that he learned back when he was in high school. So enjoy this episode of the Expositors Collective Podcast. Okay, welcome to the Expositors Collective Podcast. I'm here with uh, Riley Taylor and uh, myself and uh, my good friend Clay Worrell. Uh, we're going to be talking to him about uh, the science and craft, the art. Science. Yeah, there's a science to it. Yeah, um, of of preaching, Clay. You like arts and crafts, right? I do. I lo- I love doing things with construction paper, especially. <laughs> do you think Do you think preaching is more of an art or a craft? Uh, it depends if you do your notes on construction paper or not. <laughs> That's where it all hinges. Is yeah. crayons? Crayons. Crayons yeah. is a benefit. Uh, pop up, mm. 3D. Yeah. Display. Uh, all right. So, Riley, um, why don't you tell us a, a little bit about yourself uh, before we start talking about the, the science and art and the craft of preaching? Yeah, thanks for having me on, Mike and Clay. Uh, my name is Riley Taylor, and I'm the lead pastor up at Calvary Fellowship, which is a church just 10 minutes north up the freeway from Seattle, Washington. And I just took over the lead pastor position at that church just last month. So I've been preaching for four and a half years, uh, full-time as the college pastor, now as the lead pastor. And before that, I did a lot of music ministry and things like that. Okay, brilliant. So with Expositors Collective, uh, you were there for our first gathering in Thousand Oaks, and you did a workshop on, or a main session on homiletics, is that right? Yeah, I talked about just some of the lessons that I had learned Um, in the few years that I've been preaching. Um, But mainly, my main point was that preaching is something that you genuinely, it's it's really something you get better at with time. I've even looked at seminary course outlines and noticed how few preaching classes are offered in seminary. And from what I've heard, I'm not an expert on why these things are the case, but from what I've heard, it's because preaching is just something you do. You you Mm. can learn... Uh, hermeneutics and and how to interpret and how to write but but really at the core of it since it's an oral it's an oral function um it's something that you just do and you get better at as you do it yeah so i'd like to talk to you about that that journey that you've been on um you said you started preaching regularly four and a half years ago yeah that was that was your first sermon four and a half years ago my first sermon ever was maybe six or seven years ago okay and that was like at a, we started a church I did music and just kind of partnered with my friend Justin to start a church downtown Seattle and uh, so my first sermon was like him giving me a shot <laughs> you know okay 
And how did it go? <laughs> All I know is, like, I, I remember it being, like, too long and writing it from beginning to end and with no, like, outline. So, therefore, it was kind of meandering, aimless. I remember saying some things that Justin had to correct the next <laughs> week. Oh, <laughs> He waited till the next week. It wasn't like as soon as you were done. It wasn't like doctrinally bad, but it was like, hey, um, by the way, (laughs) (laughs) last week. uh, (laughs) Wow. Okay. Um, So, so do you consider that like that is your first sermon? Yeah, definitely. Um, So I guess what, so you said that it went too long. It had some, not doctrinal errors, but it had some just. Just things I assumed. Okay. About the text that sounded right. Okay. And I was like, for sure this is right. Yeah. I yeah. didn't research. I didn't know. Mm. And I didn't make sure. You know? Okay. So I guess my question is like, from let's say seven years ago to today, um, what has changed in your, in your preaching process? Well, seven years ago, I would probably say that the main thing that changed, this is something I wish my English teachers in high school taught me. Actually, they probably did. I just didn't (laughs) listen. Uh, Main thing is just the power of outlining and the power of writing something from inside out rather than from beginning to end. Rather than just hopping in, writing the intro, and then just kind of going, you you really think through where am I going to go, and you chart it out a little bit, and then you flesh that out a little bit, and then you flesh that out a little bit, and then you're ready to kind of comb through it and and that that is so powerful and and that would probably characterize the main lesson that I've learned in in just crafting something that has balance that has rhythm to it that has um, you know that's thorough and a complete thought that's argumentative right works through an argument rather than an aimless thought stream you Mm. know so meandering meandering truths yeah right yeah I, I think that I bought into the idea that if you say stuff that's good, hmm. that's a sermon. You know what I mean? And right. I've since come to realize that's not the case. Yeah. So do you start with um, like your big idea um, yes. on paper and then build out from there? Is that what you mean by say, starting from the inside out? That would be starting the sermon writing process from the inside out. Okay. Of course, before that is a whole other process of reading meditation prayer and then taking notes and determining what that big idea should be yeah exactly Mm -hmm. it's sort of like you start you're 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 like a guest coming late to the party this document was written so many years ago you're you're showing up from the outside america american perspective looking in irish so you kind of have yeah or irish perspective (laughs) and and you have to get into the center of it before you can then work your way out yeah. back to what you're going to present uh, to your people. Yeah, well put. I like that. You're, you're a guest yeah. in the text. That's really Yeah, good. correct. Did, did yeah. you make that up? I did. <laughs> I'm sure I heard it somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's really good. It's really yeah, good. I like so, that. Yeah. Um, so so your first, the first step, um, maybe walking through your, your week, maybe you're leading up to Sunday. So it sounds like what you're saying is at first you spend time just discovering what yeah. the message means. Yeah. Correct. And is that the first like well yeah, what what does your week look like or preparing for a Sunday, when do you start and what are those steps that you know, cuz the most people would be familiar with your Sunday morning presentation. 
Right. Um, but working back from there, what does it look like? Yeah, I, I think that your main your main job as a preacher, especially in expository preaching, and and I, I think that expository preaching the the briefest way I could explain that is the shape of the text determines the shape of the sermon. Yeah. And that's a loose way of explaining it, but but it, it, I find it to be helpful, meaning, meaning that the text has to determine what I end up saying. I'm not simply, the, the definition I don't like of expository preaching is simply explaining the text. Right. That to me sounds really boring, right. and I don't think that's the role of the preacher. Yeah. Um, primarily, you know, that's how we get to what we say, but it's not our primary job is not to be some sort of like word for word, like, hey, th this word means this, this word, but rather the shape of it, the essence of it has to characterize the essence of the address. So you approach it. I, I would approach it, and I would just recognize that, one, this is God's word written to God's people. It's, it's as Paul says, it's written as an example. It's written uh, to inform and help and encourage us today so it has something to say to us today um so you just kind of ruminate in that i i actually am a big believer in in just letting the holy spirit speak um through his bible as you read it that doesn't mean i know every answer simply because i had a thought pop into my head as right. i was reading it but but spending a good amount of time maybe five times or so reading it mm -hmm. and uh, so I started this literally last week. <laughs> so this is a this is <laughs> a step. Right in Destin. <laughs> okay, I became on the edge of our seats here. <laughs> no, no, I I added this like kind of extra step just last week yeah. to try and kind of solidify this idea to just print it out on a big sheet of paper yeah. and just read it a few times and jot notes all around it before I start taking like you know, more exegetical notes yeah. and just go like, what's the theme here? Yeah. Like what sticks out? Cause I've noticed that like with my Bible, um, with any Bible, you got these pages that are molecule, molecular thin, you know, they sound like this. They're very intimidating. There's a lot of numbers and cross references. So just getting it into another format yeah. to allow the yeah. words to speak and then just jotting down, like what are some ideas themes and phrases that are just amazing and just packed with power um, and then from there going into taking my own notes yeah. and this is probably the key step in sermon prep is to spend a good amount of time taking your own notes right. on the text verse by verse maybe even if you like to graph it or uh, what do they call that? Mind um, map. Yeah, yeah. Mind map or or even like break it up into its phrases and mm -hmm. what do they go like arcing I think is John Piper's mm -hmm. thing I've never done gotten into that I don't but really understand it yeah. <laughs> it involves a lot of gestures <laughs> a lot a lot of stuff <laughs> I'm doing it now you can't see it but just like so after you've meditated and kind of captured the heart of it, it um, as best you could write down questions like yeah. what does the heck does that mean you know what I mean um, but then you you take notes line by line word for word and then you you take your own notes that way you know you never jump right into commentary because you don't want someone's commentary to hijack your thought process yeah, that's right. um, so after you do all your own notes then you move on to step two which is commentary resources other books 
Bible dictionaries, lexicons, concordance, um, uh, theology, but you know, systematic theology books, or or even just topical books written on the theme that you know right. you're going to yeah. capture. And then after that, move to step three. So for me, it's a four-step process. Step three is outlining the message, uh, which, like you said, Clay, starts with that big idea. Yeah. Try and get, capture the essence. But for me, the big idea actually comes after what I call the dilemma, yeah, which is good. what's the issue, mm. what uh, Brian Chappell calls the fallen condition focus. I like the word dilemma, though, because... Well, one, fallen condition focus is just like a really long... It's not long, very catchy. <laughs> it's yeah. not catchy, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and then after that, step three is, is write the sermon, yeah. uh, step f- which is step four. Step four. And, and so, but you, you discover your big idea after the conclusion of step one and two. Is that Correct. what you're saying? That's okay. right. Yeah. You want to know the text yeah. before you really codify yeah. what you think the main thing is, you know? And, and what's prompted you as of last week to start this, <laughs> this do printing out the page process? I think one thing I wrote down uh, in, my, in my moleskin a few months ago, I wrote down two ideas for new steps in my workflow. And the first was to kind of solidify this idea of just letting your heart and your brain soak in the text. So how do you do that? Because a lot of times you, if you're in a hurry, you just end up sitting down with your laptop and it's so easy to get into the yeah. Yeah. Logos Bible study yeah. and stuff. Yeah. So, so doing something that's purely analog uh, that forces you to, gives you a pen and you can yeah. kind of go all over the place with it. Yeah. And L- let so. me encourage you in that step because I've actually been doing that for uh, several years now. Um, and I'll go back and forth between, um, depending on how much time I have, if I've got ample time in the week, I'll write out the whole text by hand. Whoa, and that's skip, great. Yeah, and skip a, skip a line. I always, I'll write out the whole thing and skip a line in between everyone. And then I'll do that same process where I'm jotting my own notes, I'm circling stuff, I'm drawing lines, I'm just like spending time with it in that format. If I don't have time to write it out by hand, I'll print it, like you said, on, yeah. on page. Always double space, though, so I have room yeah, and, to, and right plenty between. of margin. So, so um, I'm, I'm glad you're doing that. It works v- very well for me as well, yeah. Mm-hmm. I've been doing it for even longer than you. Claire. You know what, Mike? <laughs> <laughs> that's you that's a few cool. years, well, four years. I've done it a week. I said a few. You actually don't know. Yeah, how long? <laughs> a, a few years plus one. <laughs> <laughs> He's always got to beat me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's a really good process. It's a uh, yeah. And and sometimes I'd like to. Um, and I don't do this every week. But yeah, but print that out, fold it up, keep it in my like literally keep it in my back pocket. Mm-hmm. And when I'm in the queue, that's or, cool. Yeah, then you pull I it like out that. and you just kind of look at it. And of course, we have our Bible Great ideas, us, and we could do it whenever. But it's it's nice to have a page, and it's only your passage. Yeah. You know? Yes. And, and there's no, I don't want to say you're not distracted by the other pages of the Bible because that's not fair to call it a distraction. Yeah. But you get to see that. Well, that actually speaks to something that has become a really important lesson for me, which is, you know, people ask how long does it take to prep a sermon, and you know takes it most people anywhere from 10 to 20 hours I guess Uh, but but I've realized that it's not about how many hours you spend and it's more about how many days you spend like soaking it in sleeping on it Hmm. how many Hmm. great ideas did you have at 11 p.m. you know you text yourself or something you know what I mean like none (laughs) None. (laughs) for me that's when they come I get get them really early in the morning yeah there you go totally exactly because 
it's the more days like you could rush a message and just like put it together in three hours before Sunday. Yeah, but if, if need be, right? And and you could you in a, probably an hour and a half put something together. Yeah, and a workflow right. helps with that. Yeah, there's something about allowing God's word to soak in your brain. Then the spirit brings different moments through the week to confirm it or maybe even correct it. Yeah. Do you know what um, Timothy Keller said this about Proverbs, which is, you know, a specific literary genre, but I think it's true for much of the Bible. He says um, Proverbs can be like hard candy, like um, like Werther's original. Hmm. Um, you could put it in your mouth and just chomp down and you can get it. But it's best if you just kind of like leave it there. You kind of move it from one side of your mouth to the next. Yeah. And the longer it's there, the kind of more yes. of its flavor you get from it. And I think that's true for, for all of Scripture. And then maybe especially for, for Proverbs. That's like how many licks does it get take to get to the center of the Tootsie Pop type of thing? <laughs> and the owl's like... Exactly. Uh, <laughs> the, owl, the, turtle, yeah. the turtle says, I never made it without biting. Yeah. <laughs> Ask Mr. Owl. Yeah. And the owl's like, let's find out. One, one two, two, three. three. <laughs> <laughs> So we're you're kind of only going to get that joke if you're like 34. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> if you watch Schoolhouse yeah. Rock as a kid. <laughs> oh, man. Um, That's good. Yeah. Okay. So any, like, we got like four more minutes. Yeah. Anything that you're, you're waiting for us to ask you? What do you want the listeners to Expositors Collective Podcast to know about preaching? Well, one thing that you had asked and we had talked about before that I think is a really good question is what mistakes do young preachers make? Okay. Yeah. And I think the main one that I've personally seen is getting on a soapbox. Hmm. And every message sounds like the thing that you think is the main thing. And it's, I did it. For, like for me, my, like the thing I love so much to talk about is worship and living for God's glory. It's like, hmm. okay, but not every passage emphasizes that in the same hmm. way. And so you can... Right. You can very easily, when you're inexperienced, especially when you're like, just like say you're preaching once a month in youth group or something, mm-hmm. or in small group, so you're you're not doing a, a regular thing, so you've had time to let this soapbox build up in your mind, and mm. you've been reading this text for six weeks, and it's yeah. like all of a sudden, like I can't wait to just blast all these hypocrites <laughs> on whether or not they're real Christians. <laughs> yeah. And I, I just see young guys making this mistake because they, they need to learn that, okay, like, number one, truth does not belong to you. Yeah. So you don't need to um, be impacted by, let's say, um, let's say uh, God's kindness. Like, for you, you're, you're, you're all about, you know, God's holiness, God's kindness, you know, you grew, you learned that growing up, but now you're realizing God's a holy God. Yeah, yeah. So for you, that's the big thing. But you need to realize that truth doesn't belong to you, and and people need to hear what is in the Word here, yeah. not the thing that struck you the hardest, you know. And uh, and then the other thing about that is that guys guys tend to idolize and imitate their favorite preachers without noticing the layered nuance and multivaried appeal of mm. those people. Okay. So people preach just like their idol, John Piper, but not realizing that he touches on a lot more things than they think he does. Right. Huh. You know what I mean? So they might like John Piper because of his emphasis on um, global missions. Yes. 
But he doesn't only preach about that. He doesn't only preach about that. And, yeah. and because they don't go to his church, right. because they only tune into the podcasts they like, yeah. Yeah. they mm. think that that's all he talks about. But that's mm. not true. Mm. So that's, that's one thing that I think is – instead, I offer as an antidote to that is learn how to preach expositionally, going through it and letting – like say you struggle with lust, passage condemns lust you got to learn how to preach something you know you're a hypocrite at mm. because the truth doesn't belong to you. And you need to learn how to preach an aspect of God's character that maybe you're not super energized by. Yeah. I mean, maybe you could learn to be energized by it. So mm. learning to go through the text, I think, is the best antidote to that. Yeah, that's good. No, fantastic. I'm, I, if I could, like, backpedal half a question so you're talking about the um, the soapboxes. Like, mm -hmm. what were your soapboxes? I think you said worship. Yeah. Um, what else? Worship and I guess like, I think for me now, the, this is something that um, a leader in my church and I were talking about. He was he was mentioning to me that I I'm currently I'm very motivated and exhortational and really like all right guys let's go. But he's like, the thing that mo actually motivates people is God's mercy. And they need uh, healing for their wounded hearts and brokenness. And he's like, you need to speak to that a little more. And so for me, it's I can tend to get into this like directional, let's live in the right direction. Let's go in the right trajectory. Let's live for God's glory. Let's go do God's thing rather than speaking about being God's people or mm. receiving God's love and, and that kind of stuff. So for me, it's very like m movement based rather yeah. than very uh, receiving based wow. sometimes. I I'm glad, I guess, to hear you say that, let's say four years ago or seven years ago, you had a soapbox. And what you're not saying is, and now I don't have a soapbox. No, I think everybody at some point in their life, and, and maybe this is part of ministry in general, like God has put you in a certain place. You're learning certain lessons. So that's naturally going to color what you say, yeah. and that's going to draw certain people, minister to certain people. That's why the, the former mob boss, who's now a preacher, can speak and appeal to a certain group of people. So that's not something to be ashamed of. Right. But it's something to be aware of yeah. and learn how to layer in there the other things that maybe would have escaped our attention because we have a soapbox. Yeah, and I'm happy to hear of that um, that leader in your church. That sounds like he, you know, he or she they gently yeah. pointed out, you know, what's coming up a lot, and that's that's good. Yeah, and it's it's good that there's people that are speaking um, to you about you. Um, yeah, so you definitely. Can make sure that yeah you, that your church gets uh, the whole counsel of God, not just whatever Riley is excited about at the moment. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Cool. Right. Last word, um, Clay. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> that is a last word. Yeah, it is. Yeah, that is a. It's last the word. word. Yeah. The last word. Right okay. On. Yeah. Thank you so much, Riley. Yeah, we of course. Appreciate your time. Um, how can we like connect with you online or whatever? Do you gotta? Do you have any things to promote or? <laughs> Not right now. I, find I you mean, on Twitter or just Instagram? on Instagram, Riley Dean Taylor. Okay. Yeah. And what, what will we see there? We will see pictures of my kids, oh, yeah. pretty much <laughs> exclusively, yeah. Yeah. Okay. and me going, "Hey, Instagram, okay. here's some pictures of my kids." Yeah, yeah. okay. Bunch of hashtags. Yeah, a bunch of hashtags trying to 
game the Twitter game follow, or the follow for follow and follow for follow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right, guys, it's been great. Um, we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna have some background music come in right now, and then we're gonna. Thanks for listening. Uh, be sure to stay connected to us by finding our website, expositorscollective.com, finding us on Instagram. Um, and if you haven't subscribed to this podcast, it would really help us out if you did. Uh, be sure to leave us a five-star ratings on iTunes if you could. And yeah, guys, enjoy your personal study and the public proclamation of God's word. Mm-hmm.